Yeah, we've been really struggling this morning in terms of what I do, what I've prepared, or would I do something else? So, <laughs> sort of the temptation to step step ahead into something else, um, because last week we started looking at Matthew chapter 24 and 25, and we'll be continuing on in that. And this week is all about something called, um, in the King James versions, it says the abomination of desolation. Um, <laughs> and what we're looking at is the signs of Jesus coming back again. What's it all about? Is it important for us as Christians to know those things? And I was thinking this morning, just as we were entering into the dry season as we are, the signs that often come with that. So if you've lived in Darwin long enough, what's the first sign of the dry season? Dragonflies, right? <laughs> Absolutely right. It's something that, that people will say, oh, I saw dragonflies out the other day, and they're like, that means the dry season's here. And you wake up the next day and it's humid, hot and horrible. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, that sign must be wrong. But there's certain things that happen at times of year where we're like, um, this is a sign of what's to come. Obviously that the dry season is coming because the dragonflies are out. And, and it is true, but it doesn't mean that it's actually the dry season that day. Another sign might be the 1st of May on the calendar. That's the dry season. The dry season's here. So we get to that time of year. 1st of May is here. Yes, it's the dry season. And we wake up and it's humid and horrible. <laughs> Where's this dry season? But we know within a short time that it is going to be really pleasant like it was this morning. And and that's the change of season. And there's something that we need to be really aware of as Christians and not be fearful of, but understand that Jesus is coming back again. And, and um, we won't be looking at the two returns of Jesus that it seems that the Bible's talking about here. One is the rapture where Jesus comes back for the church and the other where he actually comes and sets his feet down on earth because it talks about how Jesus is coming back with the saints to execute judgment on the earth that the saints are already out they can't be with him unless they're with him when he comes back so for us as the church there's this excitement of the day of the Lord so when you, you hear about the great and terrible day of the Lord it's great for you if you're saved it's terrible if you're not it's great if you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ it's terrible if you're not it's great if you're ready for his return it's terrible if you're not, because there's, there's things that will happen in the earth, and, and we'll just talk a little bit about that today with this abomination of desolation that, that um, the Bible talks about. So, we, we, um, last week we looked at the disciples with Jesus, they were in the temple, they left the temple and they, they looked back at it and they were sort of pointing out to Jesus how amazing the temple was, all the great things that were there at the temple, and Jesus said, hey, you know what? All this is passing away, that, that in the end, there's not going to be one stone left on another at this temple. And, and if we look back at history, in about 70 AD, the Romans came in and there was a fall of Jerusalem, the whole temple was demolished, the stones were taken away. And we talked about how massive those stones were, that they were not just like little rocks, they were hundreds of tons, the rocks were hundreds of tons, so the actual... Um, desolation of that temple was amazing that it would happen and we talked about three things that we need to remember as Christians when we're thinking about Jesus coming back because it's something that we've been thinking about for quite a while the first one was not to misplace your hope in other words 
don't look at what's around you and put your hope in it because it's going to let you down. Your eyes have to be on Jesus. The second one was don't be deceived or misled. There's going to be a lot of signs around and you look at those signs and you'll think this is it. Jesus is coming back today and you'll get people will take advantage of that and start to talk about it as though this is it, I've got the answers, Jesus is coming now and they will deceive many. Some would even say that they are the Messiah. And the last one was to be awake or aware of his coming again. So be aware, be awake, Jesus is coming back again. That, that as a Christian, we could easily fall into this place of being asleep, waiting for the, for the return of Christ, but at the same time, we give up because we're like, well, wait a minute, he's not here now. I thought the signs were here. There's earthquakes and famines and pestilence and you know, persecution of the church and it looked like the love of many was growing cold, many are falling away from faith. So obviously Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but that's not what we're meant to base it on because the Bible says, as we're going to look through it, two things, that, that when Jesus comes back, it's going to be really obvious. Every eye is going to see. Everybody's going to know that it's happened. But it also talks about another thing, this, this desolation that we're going to talk about. So let's just read through it. It's going to take a little bit of time. Um, so we're reading Matthew chapter 24, and we're starting at verse 15 and reading to, I think it's 31. Yeah, 31. The, the day is coming when you'll see what the Daniel... The, what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return, even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen, one, chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is a Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will deep, be deep mourning among the peoples of the earth. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. So... This is continuing on from what Jesus said, that in the start he talked about the earthquakes and famines and wars and all these sorts of things, the persecution. 
And one of the great things about this is that they talk, he talked about this as the beginning of birth pains. In other words, the things that we see like that are showing us that this world is not what it should be. Remember we were talking about that, that, that when we look at the world, it's something we can't trust in. And it's almost as if things will go really, really well in the world and everyone just goes, oh, it's all great, it's all fantastic, but then something goes wrong. There's a war, there's a famine, there's an earthquake. Persecution starts. And I think that God allows this to happen so that we can see the effect that sin has on the world, the way that it is, and that we cannot trust in this world. Because this world is going to be replaced God is going to be making a new heaven and a new earth, a place where there is no sin, where there is no darkness, where people are living the way God wants them to live. And so this part of the disciples' questions that we're looking at today was this, when will this happen? When are we going to know? When is it exactly going to happen? And he talks about this sign that, that in the holy place is going to be something set up that is against God. And this is really hard here. It's probably one of the most disputed parts of what is exactly going to happen. Probably the most disagreement than anything else in this passage at least. What is this? What is Jesus talking about? Because he talks about the book of Daniel, what happened there. And yet it somehow seems to have a future reference as well. Some would say it even talked about when the Romans came in to, to Jerusalem and ransacked the, the, the temple that, that that was the day that this happened. But clearly it can't be because Jesus says that after this the end will come and the end hasn't come. And in Daniel it gives a specific time frame for that to happen. So it seems that this passage is sort of jumping between two things. It's like what has happened and what is going to happen. The Bible talks about it as types and shadows. So there's shadows of things to come. That sometimes there's a truth for the present age that's in something that's written and there's also a truth for an age to come. But it says there that when this happens, when this is finally set up in the temple, that it's going to be the worst times of ever. When this happens, when you see this sign, this is a specific sign Jesus is talking about, that when you see this sign... After that is going to be the worst days ever and we would hardly think that that has happened already. When Luke talks about this passage, he writes the same, about the same passage. He refers to the Romans. And it talks about fleeing though. And in the great tribulation that is going to happen on the earth, there will be nowhere to flee. So what is it? Let's have a look at 2 Thessalonians Chapter 2, 1 to 4. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will see, even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. So there's going to be this time when there's this, this uh, the beast, the, the Bible calls him in Revelation, that sits in the temple and says, I am God. That's coming. And after those times there, there's three and a half years until Jesus actually comes back. 
to the earth itself. But we read through this and we're like, well, what is going to happen? And, and the fact that people are already arguing about that, this is what it means, that is what it means, can really take us away from the point that Jesus was trying to make. And what was that point again? Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. And he talks more about that in verse, verse 23 to 28. He talks about it. He says, he goes back to don't be deceived. When you see someone saying, this is the Messiah, go out and see him, don't be deceived, because these are signs of what's going to happen. Then he talked about how when it happens, it's going to be as though the lightning from the east to the west, it's something that cannot be mistaken. And we can sometimes get a little bit caught up in signs, can't we? We can get caught up in that. But don't be deceived by the signs. What Jesus wants us to do is actually be ready. In fact, he said in verse 6 of this passage, don't be alarmed. As a Christian, you don't need to be alarmed. And there's, there's things that, that are in the Bible that sort of show us that as Christians, we are going to be taken out of the way when, the, when this horrible time comes, which is called the rapture. You might have heard of it. You may not have. If you're a new Christian, you might not have ever heard of it. The rapture, when Jesus comes back to take the church with him. And then the, the great tribulation starts. But there's three signs Jesus talked about that we look at for him coming back again. Number one is those signs pointing to the end or the beginning of birth pains. And this is where we see that continuing deterioration of this world. We see false messiahs, we see earthquakes, we, we see those pestilence and famine, the falling away. And it does affect our lives because as Christians we are living in this world and it gives us a sign that something is not quite right. This world is not the way it should be. Number two is signs that precede the end. It doesn't tell us exactly the time, but it's saying it's getting really close. And it's almost like, you know when you're at the movies when the lights fade and you're like, the movie's about to start. It's almost like that. When you look around at this world and you're like, this is a desperate time. Something's going to be happening soon. And in those times as a Christian, what could happen is this, that you, you find that you are wanting to abandon the faith There's, because so much is coming against you. You think about it in the world right now. What are the pressures against you as a Christian? Are there things in this world that would make you walk away from faith? Is there persecution that's happening to you right now where you're walking away, where you're thinking, I can't do this anymore? But it's almost as if God is bringing the world to this place. Remember last week when I talked about how God is only delaying the coming back of Jesus for one reason, because he wants everyone to be saved. That's why Jesus hasn't come back yet. And it's almost as if God is taking us to this point where it is so clear that there is no, no confusion about I'm choosing Jesus or I'm not. That the world is becoming so divided on what it is to be a Christian and what it's not to be a Christian that the, that the views are becoming so separate, so polar opposite, that the choice is becoming more and more clear. Either I've accepted Jesus or I've rejected Jesus. And there will be this clear separation 
of what is happening. And thirdly, signs that accompany the end, and they are extremely dramatic. And the extremely dramatic things are happening after this time when someone sets himself up in the temple and says, I am God, and stands in the place of God. And Daniel says, 1,290 days after that is the end. But we can see what that's going to look like. That's not going to be unmistakable. That's when the, the, the stars fall from the heaven, where the moon becomes red when, when the sun fails to shine. But again, we can be deceived by those signs, can't we? I don't know if you remember a few years back, probably about four or five years back, there was a lot of blood moons. Does anyone remember that? And people got all excited there's a blood moon, that means Jesus is coming back tomorrow. This is the end, this is calamity. But that wasn't what this was talking about. The events are going to be so catastrophic. As the Bible said, that unless Jesus came back, unless God shortened the days of that time, no one would survive. They're not going to be pleasant. And as we look through these words of Jesus, sometimes it's like this. I think God just wants us to keep humble. We might know some things, but we're not going to know them all. You can be confident about the signs that they're pointing to Jesus coming back. And it can give you hope, actually, as a Christian. And as a Christian, what we need is that hope. We need to understand that when Jesus comes back for us, it is going to be a glorious day. If you have fear right now and not hope, that is not how Jesus wanted you to be. Are you scared of the world? Are you scared of the end of the world? Are you so worried and anxious about what's happening about you? That's not what Jesus said. I go back to what he said. Don't fear. These things have to happen because as they happen, it is, it is showing us that Jesus is coming back and it's a good day for us as Christians. And he's coming back for his church. He's going to protect us. In Revelation, it talks about the angels going about and sealing those who belong to him that he would protect. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be worried. We don't need to be afraid. But what we do need to do is be ready for when he comes back. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Because it really seems like when you look at the stories that Jesus goes into in the next few weeks, when we look at that, he talks about two people being in the field and one goes and one stays. He talks about wise and foolish virgins, virgins, not virgins, at a wedding where they're waiting for the bridegroom to come back and, and five of them brought enough oil till he came back and five didn't and they had to go away and they missed when the bridegroom came. And that is the question that we will be looking at over the next few weeks. Are you ready for Jesus' return? And that's one of those old questions that a lot of evangelists used to ask. But they used to say this, if you died tonight, would you be sure that you would go to heaven? 
Are you sure that you've made that decision to follow Jesus? Are you sure that you're walking after the way that he wants you to live? Are you sure? And as we look at the next, the parables that Jesus talks about it, we can see very clearly that he's saying, don't go to sleep. Just don't go to sleep. Be ready. Are you doing the master's will while you're here on earth? Are you living for him? Has your life been given to him? Are you doing his will? Because there's a danger if you fall away, if you're not ready when Jesus comes, you might just miss that time. So I say, when you look at that, it's like some are taken, some remain, but what are they remaining for? The end. When the Bible talks about when the son of perdition is the words that they use, is revealed, where the beast, where, where the end of the time comes, when he is revealed. I'll tell you what, we don't want to be here for that, do we? I don't want to be here for that. And while these passages can be a little bit hard to understand, in fact, you have thousands of different opinions on what is actually going to happen. Remember this, guys. What are we looking for? We're not going to put our hope in anything but Jesus, right? We're not going to think that the signs are, are, are it, you know? We're not, not hanging on to those signs, but while we're waiting, we're going to be ready for Jesus' return. That's what we've got to do. We've got to look for that. And it's funny, like I remember my, uh, one of our old pastors tells a story about someone going for a, a job as a stagecoach driver. They had two people, and they had to go around this mountain path, which is quite windy and rocky and... and it, um, one of the guys hops in and is riding and drives very carefully, gets down to the bottom of the hill. And the other guy is like so boastful, he's like, man, I can do so much better than that. Jumps in, takes off, gets the horses running at high speed, going around the bends with just sort of tipping over, getting around, gets down to the bottom, and is so proud of himself. He's like, I am the better driver by far. Came time for the selection of that driver. The boss comes out and says, I'm sorry, you didn't get the job. And the guy who had just been so fast, so close to the edge, said, why not? And he said, because you lived way too close to the edge. That was dangerous. You're now in charge of passengers that come on this coach after delivering the stuff safely to a place, yet you lived or you drove in a way that was reckless and a danger to others and to yourself. I wonder sometimes if we live our Christian life like that. What can I get away with? How close can I get to the edge and still say I'm a Christian? Something to really think about, guys. Because we are called to, to consecrate and dedicate ourselves to God. The Bible says, be holy because he is holy. In other words, you, Christian, you live your life for the master. You live his will and his way on earth. Because that's what he has called us to.
So next week we're going to be looking at a few of the verses that sort of show us that, that Christ is coming back and there's actually two returns of Jesus. One where he comes in the air and we go to meet him and the Bible says then we will forever be with the Lord. And then the, the other one where he comes back and he talked to the disciples when he was getting taken up from um, the Mount of Transfiguration and he said, I'm coming back here. The end will be when I put my feet down here and I will return. But the Bible says that he comes back with his saints. He's coming back with us. And we're going to talk about a couple of those parables about being ready and using what we have for Jesus in the meantime. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, it's hard sometimes thinking about this end and what's it actually going to look like. The signs are there, but Jesus, where are you? Lord, I pray that we would not become tired or lazy or disobedient while we're waiting. Father, that we would live for you, that we would dedicate our whole life to you, Jesus. And we thank you for it right now. Amen. Now, it may be that as you're sitting here this morning, you're absolutely terrified of Jesus coming back because you don't know him. You've never asked him into your life. You've never asked for forgiveness of your sin. As Shannon was talking about forgiveness this morning, the greatest display of forgiveness is this, that even while we were his enemies, God sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be forgiven. It's a free gift of God's grace towards you to say, hey, I love you so much. I want to forgive you of your sin. I want to change your life and turn it around. Perhaps that's you this morning. I'm just going to pray a prayer. You can just pray with me and just ask Jesus into your life and then you just tell a family member or come and see me at the end and say, I prayed with you, Neil, to ask Jesus in. Let's pray. If that's you this morning, if you're like, oh, I just, I know I need Jesus, you can just pray with me. Father God, I'm so sorry that I have sinned against you. I actually want to be happy when you come back. And my first step today is to give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. From this day on, I want to be part of your family and look forward to the coming back of Jesus. Forgive my sin and set me free, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. If you want prayer for anything, please come up the front at, at our church, Cornerstone. We, we have a time at the end where if you feel like you want prayer for anything, you come up the front. Maybe it's healing, maybe you're distressed, maybe you're anxious, maybe you just need a touch from the Holy Spirit. Please come up and we'll pray for you and, and let God work in your life.